Greetings, this is Dave Thomas. This is the Collectible Sunday School Class, First Baptist Church Grandview for March the 29th. Kind of this time of, of social distancing. I think the hardest part of this may be figuring out how to get this started. Um, we're going to look at the account in Luke chapter 19 when we last had a church and Sunday school on campus. We just concluded Second Kings and we're looking forward to going into the book of Daniel, but um, we'll save that for when we get back together. So in a few minutes, we will look at Luke chapter 19. If you want to turn there, I'll be reading from the ESV English Standard Version. Uh, but let's begin with a, a time of prayer. Father, we come to you in uncertain term, times, uncertain only from our perspective because we know that you are in control of all things. This coronavirus and the impact that it's had in our state and nation and the, the entire world is no surprise to you. Father, may we just give pause and, and look at our lives and see what we can glean from this, that our world, our, our nation, each of us as individuals certainly need to take this as a time of repentance, Lord, that we might yield to the Holy Spirit moving in our lives and might confess that sin that's in our lives, both individually and corporately and, and as a nation. So God, I, I lift up our leaders and I ask that they would have tender hearts, that they would search for advisors that would come at this from a perspective of a, a biblical point of view, that our president, our governor, and all those who lead us might uh, just have hearts that would look to you for the answers. And God, we know that just by your mighty hand, you could remove this virus immediately. God, we, we ask your will in this matter. Give our researchers, doctors, insight, wisdom, and, and just uh, a way to find a, a means, a solution to this. God, we lift up all those patients who are suffering from this disease and ask that you would just touch their bodies, heal their bodies. God, for the doctors and nurses and first responders, all who come in contact with corona patients, we ask for your mercy on their lives, that you would bless them for the work that they do, but also protect them from the things from, the, from this disease. And God, for so many businesses and employees, workers who are in difficult times, God, we just ask you to, to open doors for them, let them find ways that they can help others during this time, but also, Lord, that they would look to you to meet their needs. They wouldn't resort to immoral things, that they would look to you to, to meet their daily needs. And God, I just thank you for blessing me with, with my job that so far it hasn't been affected. And I just uh, I, I thank you for that. 
God, it is indeed uncertain times, but we look to you as the creator and sustainer, and we know you're in control of all things. Father, now as we look in this passage of this account that happened 2,000 years ago, Lord, may you just open our eyes and our hearts and see how we can uh, apply these truths that we'll read about to our lives today, that we might be better servants for Christ. It's in His name I pray. Amen. So, if you found the passage in Luke 19 and have glanced at it, you might and probably will recognize it as a very familiar account that so familiar that, that many may even remember a, a little tune that, that you learned as a, as a child in Sunday school or um, maybe vacation Bible school. And I'm not going to sing that song to you today, but let's begin reading. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, And come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried, and he came down, and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. When he was, when he, he has, okay, I'm sorry. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save. We'll certainly miss the the insight and interaction that we have in in class, but let's let's try to work through this. kind of like we do normally. And remember, in real estate, they say there are three primary concerns or, or rules you need to, uh, to, to be aware of, and that being, or the three most important things in real estate are location, location, location. And the same thing could be said of, of hermeneutics or, or Bible study, the three most important things are context, context, context. So what is the context of this, this passage? We can, we can begin by going back to Luke 1, the very first verse that, that, that tells us uh, who, who this book is, is written to. Luke begins writing, he says, in his, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, 
just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time in the past, to write an orderly account for you, O most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So Luke is writing to his friend, perhaps and may be probable that Theophilus is, is an individual, but, but the name kind of draws us or connects us to it because Theophilus, Theo meaning God and, and Phileas from, from the, the Greek word of, of one of the Greek words of love, it's a lover of God. And as we call ourselves followers of Christ and, and, and believe in Him, that, that we too would be lovers of, of, of God. So the book is, is clearly written to us. I think that's just kind of a, uh, an added bonus that Luke is writing to, to all believers of God. But what is the, the more uh, concise uh, or precise context of, of the setting. Turning back to Luke chapter 9 and, and verse 51, Luke begins a, a long section that's kind of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem for the, for the, the passion, for his, his sacrificial death on the cross. And in Luke chapter 9 verse 51, he says, When the days drew near for him, to be taken up, he set his face to go to, to Jerusalem. So that Jesus purposely and, and, and directly set out for Jerusalem, knowing full well what would, was going to happen there. That it wasn't an accident that he just happened to be in, in Jerusalem there at the time of Passover, but that he had, he had set out in order to, to, to go there, to arrive there at a precise time. I think verse 10 in, in, our, in our text, chapter 19, also gives us part of the context. For there he says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And as we go through it, it's, 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 even though that's the last verse, it's, let's start at the back and let's see exactly what this this passage is is set out to uh, to to show us to teach us to direct to direct us to and that's that foremost in our minds we should remember as we're reading this this is part of of, of Jesus's purpose his his mission his his plan was to come and seek and save those who are lost so Jesus came not just for the twelve, not just for those who were his 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 closest followers, but for all who are are lost. And the good news is that includes me and you. Also, prior to to Jesus entering Jericho, that we that that's recorded there in in chapter eighteen. Uh, verse thirty-five. As he as he drew near to Jericho, just before that, the 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 paragraph prior to that, we see that Jesus says, verse thirty-one, chapter eighteen, and he was talking 
he was, and taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and that they did not grasp what was said. So the context is, is Jesus headed toward Jerusalem. If you consider that, <clears throat> think about the mission that he's on. Paul in Galatians 4 it tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son to be, to be born of a virgin. That the whole reason that Jesus was on earth was to provide the perfect sacrifice for those who were under the law but who couldn't hold, uphold the law might be saved. That's, that's, that's all of us. But also just, just considering it, Jesus is on the final part of His mission. That He was born in, in, in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, knowing full well that He was the Son of God. Why He came, and now He's headed toward Jerusalem. He, he resolutely set His face to go there. He's told the, the twelve what's going to happen. He's fully man and fully God. Being fully man, there, there has to be some anticipation of the things that he will suffer and endure. But also just think about the, the priority of knowing what he's doing, where he's going, and, and, and the urgency of it. He's the only means for man's salvation, for mankind's salvation. That, that being made and created in the, in the image of God that, that fell, that sinned, that rebelled against God in, in the Garden of Eden, the only way that that fellowship can be restored is, is by the, the, the death that He is about to experience and then knowing full well that that God is going to raise him from the dead but still just think of the the urgency the anticipation and so I find it just telling that here as he enters Jericho just the 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 next by the end of the chapter we will be at the triumphal entry into Jerusalem that he's hurrying toward Jerusalem, and yet he takes time to stop and not only talk to Zacchaeus, but to, to invite himself in, into his, back to his house, to eat with him, to pause. It's like, think about the times when maybe you're, you're in a big hurry, you're you feel like your mission is what you've got to accomplish is is of vital importance. You know, maybe it's Valentine's Day and you're driving home and you realize, oh my goodness, I didn't get anything. 
or an anniversary or a birthday or or a job interview or or whatever it is that so many times we're we're distracted by what we think is an important mission and yet none of those missions are as important as as what Jesus is is embarking on where he's going he's he's near the end he he's about to uh, enter Jerusalem probably in a few days and and that that triumphal entry as as we call it and he goes into Jericho so the immediate context then is is Jericho he's he's entered Jericho he's he's passing through it Jericho, a, a, a very ancient city, one that's, that was known for uh, wealth and importance in uh, Chuck Swindoll's uh, Insight for Living study Bible. He said it had a great palm forest with world-famous balsam trees, gardens of roses that were famous all over the world, the climate was delightful. It was a, on, in the part of a trade route that connected Egypt with, with other parts of the, the, the ancient Near East. So he's, he's entered a, a, a city that's important, wealthy, beautiful. And he's, he, as he's passing through... He's going to, to, to seek out one, one man. Then we're, we're, we're introduced to, to, to this participant, this, this character named Zacchaeus. That those who know say that his, his name means pure or true. Uh, a, a name, um, it can mean just. So this one who's called just or the, the just or the, the, the pure, the first thing that the readers would have, would have noticed is, oh, his name is, is just, pure. But then it's almost like there should be a but. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. I think tax collectors have probably not gained any any better reputations um, two thousand years later. Maybe maybe one big difference is we don't we don't know them by sight or or by name. I mean, we certainly know our county tax assessor. We but we just mail him a check or take it to the office for our land tax or our car tags or or few other other taxes that that he would collect but it but in these days Rome had this systematic way of of collecting taxes it was a, a, a crushing weight uh, just relentless and and cruel uh, there were there were taxes and and duties on all sorts of things uh, income tax uh, uh, a ground tax on Whatever produce you may you might have, and it was it was not uncommon for the tax collector to overcharge 
to, to, to fraudulently make money uh, in, in, in charging whatever he, he could. Um, Zacchaeus is called the chief of these tax collectors. He's, he's at the top of that tax collector pyramid. You know, he's, he's the head Amway guy uh, that he's getting money from his, his lesser tax gatherers. As they overcharge, he overcharges them, and he has become quite wealthy in, in the process. One other um, little note that, that I found in, in um, a J.I. Packer book on customs of, of uh, biblical times is that the Jews considered the tax collector's money to be unclean. So if they didn't have the exact change Remember, there's no debit cards or credit cards. If they don't have exact change, they would not take change back from the tax collector because they didn't want his dirty money. So Zacchaeus has, has prospered and, and, and made all sorts of financial gain in this, uh, in, in this livelihood that he has. You, you kind of wonder, why was he named the just the pure, you know, his, his parents may have had different aspirations or dreams for him when, when he was born and named, uh, but, and he's, he's certainly kind of, uh, you know, fallen to whether it be peer pressure or culture pressure of, of doing what the Romans said, uh, and, and now he's, he's got a, a bad reputation. So Jesus enters in, in, into Jericho, and as he's, he's there, we're, we're introduced to Zacchaeus. And it says that he was seeking Jesus, but he couldn't see him. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't get to him. He couldn't, he, he couldn't get close enough in the crowd because he's small. He, he's short. So as one who is slightly uh, short or lower in, in stature. I can, I can attest firsthand of being in a big crowd and not being able to see. So Zacchaeus, you can just picture this, this little man. He's, there's a big crowd. Everybody knows who Jesus is. He's passing through. He's, he's been in active ministry throughout uh, Judea and, and Galilee. He's, he's come down on the, the eastern side of the Jordan and crossed the Jordan and, and entered into to Jericho. And, and word probably spreads that, you know, that, that he's traveling through there. The Passover is coming up and, and all uh, good Jews would go to Jerusalem and if, if he's on the eastern side of the Jordan and he's, he's, he's headed that way, it's, it's only logical that he'll pass through Jericho. And, and so the, the crowd is, is immense. And Zacchaeus, this, this little short guy, is, is trying to get a glimpse of him. He wants to see this famous teacher and, and rabbi, this one who there are many accounts of the, the healings that he's done, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, and he's, he's trying to, to, to get through the crowd. 
Now think about the crowd. They know who Zacchaeus is also. And if you're in the crowd and this guy has cheated you out of taxes for year after year after year, and it's, it's, it's shoulder to shoulder, and he's trying to squeeze his way in, you know, he, he, may, have, he may have received a few uh, bumps and punches and kicks and, and who knows what else as he's, as he's trying to get through this crowd to get to a point to, to see Jesus. And he, at some point, he, he seems to realize, I'm not going to make it. And maybe he's already hurting from, from just the abuse that he's taken. So he runs ahead. says that he, he ran ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree. That picture always just amuses me of, of thinking about the garments that they wore then. You know, he doesn't have on Nike running shoes or, or running shorts or anything, but he's, he's wearing that that garb of the day, the, the cloak, the robe, and then to run. And so you, you picture, he probably got a lot of laughs after he got the punches. He probably got a lot of laughs in, in running ahead, you know, pulling up his, his robe, maybe cinching it with his belt. He runs, and, it, and it's not like he gets to the end of the line and he waits because that crowd's just going to keep following Jesus. But he, 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 he happens upon a, a sycamore tree, a, a, a tree with low branches but sturdy and wide lateral branches, and he climbs up in there. And he may have even gotten a few jeers for, for doing that. Like, what's the matter, little guy? You can't see. What's, what's the problem? Come here. I'll, I'll put you on my shoulders. But he, so he climbs by. He wants to see who Jesus is. And as he, as he waits there and Jesus proceeds through Jericho and, and comes to that tree... And all of a sudden, he stops. It's, it, verse 5 says, When he came to the place, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I mean, it kind of makes me wonder just how startled was Zacchaeus when, when Jesus stopped. You know, he wanted to look at him. Maybe he, he, he thought initially, well, he's, he's pausing here. He's going to say something to one of somebody in the crowd or maybe one of his disciples. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks up at him and, and he calls him by name. You know, our brains, we, we think of things sometimes quickly. Sometimes we don't think so quickly, but, but your, your brain can just give you a, a, a thought in a nanosecond. Remember what a nanosecond is? That's the time between the time that the light turns green and a New York cab driver starts honking his horn just immediately. And so Zacchaeus is up in that tree. Jesus stops and he, and he calls him by name, Zacchaeus. And just in that nanosecond, you wonder if Zacchaeus thought, oh no, he's going to He's going to point out that I'm up here in this tree. He, he's going to lecture me on my practices as a, a tax collector. He's going to point out all my faults. He's, he's going to laugh at me for climbing up in a tree. But he doesn't say that. Jesus 
says, come down, hurry, quickly come down because I must stay at your house today. That Jesus is telling him he's, he's, he's got a reason to stay at his house. That reason, we realize, is, is the Father's will. We, we, we glean that from, from verse 10. Jesus came, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So Zacchaeus is up in the tree. Jesus is coming by. He calls him by name, but he doesn't ridicule him. He doesn't, he doesn't call him names or laugh at him. He says, hurry and come down because I've got to, to stay at your house today. Then notice Zacchaeus' response. He, he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. How often do we receive Jesus joyfully? Do we hurry to go to him in, in, in prayer? Other than when times are, are desperate, when, when we're sick or, or things are not going our way, Do we take time? Do we hurry to go to the Lord when things are going well to, to praise Him and, and thank Him? And then he, re, he received Him joyfully. You know, maybe Zacchaeus didn't get many visitors other than his uh, tax collector buddies. And here's one, this, this famous rabbi who stops who knows him by name and, in, and invites himself to his house. So Zacchaeus receives him joyfully. He had just been hoping to see Jesus. He had no idea when he got up that morning and then he heard word that Jesus was passing through the town and, and he decides, well, I've got plenty of other little tax gatherers working for me. I'm just going to take the morning off. I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to see this man. And all of a sudden, he's face to face with Jesus. Jesus invites him to come down and says, I want to spend some time with you. I think Zacchaeus is, is overjoyed in, in, in this prospect. So, don't read verse 7 yet. Think about the crowd. Think about those who, who have hated Zacchaeus for a long time. How are they going to react? Now, I know you've read the, the account. We, we read the verses earlier, but just, you know, what, what would you have thought if you didn't know? What is the, how is the crowd going to react? How would, how would I react if, if I were there in Jericho and Jesus has invited himself to a tax collector's house. Remember just earlier in chapter 18, Jesus was, was said, as he drew near to Jericho, this is in verse 35, as he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging and hearing the crowd, 
he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out the more, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought near. And he asked him, what do you want me to do? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, were giving praise to God. At first, those folks were, were telling the blind man to, to be quiet. Don't bother him. Leave him alone. And then they saw the miracle. This was just a blind man. He, he, he hadn't gathered taxes like Zacchaeus. And so they praise God for, for the healing in Jesus that, that Jesus performed. Now, maybe even some of the, the same crowd that's uh, been following Jesus through Jericho, he stops, he invites Zacchaeus down from the tree and says, let's go to your house and let's, let's eat and let's, let's uh, have fellowship together. And verse 7 when they saw it, this is the crowd, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Well, they're right. I mean, if Jesus had gone to anybody's house in Jericho, it would have been a sinner, for we're all sinners. But they grumbled. It's, it's much like the, the word. They, they murmured. They muttered. It's, it's like the description that uh, we read about in Exodus of the Israelites in the, in the desert murmuring and grumbling, complaining uh, that, that God's let them out there to kill them. It's kind of another one of those uh, occasions where we say, well, people really haven't evolved that much, have they? That we come across something that that is a little bit out of the ordinary or somebody comes into our, our church or our, our Bible study that might be a little bit different. It's like, well, that guy's really, he's no good. And, and you know, why is he here? And, and, and why is the pastor talking to this person? And we, we kind of complain and, and grumble at times. So the, the, the crowd that was excited and praising God for the healing in the blind man's life. Now they, they, they grumble and they, and they not only complain about Zacchaeus, but they, they point fingers at Jesus and they say, he's gone. He's, he's going to be the guest in the house of a man that's a sinner. But Zacchaeus doesn't seem to even hear a word of that. It says Verse 8 says that he stood and he, he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus experiences this, this immediate change in his life when he, when he meets Jesus, when he in, encounters Jesus, when he begins this relationship, this restored fellowship with God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. I like the, the way the NIV um, 
reads in, in, in verse 8. He says, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. That he says, here and now, this is not a pledge card that Zacchaeus is signing and, and mailing in or putting in the offering plate saying, in the, in the next year I'm going to support missions this much. He says, right now, I'm going to give half of what I own to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, and, and, and many interpreters and translators say it's, it's the, the idea there, that word if could very easily mean sense, knowing full well that he has defrauded people, and that since I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to restore that fourfold. Jesus sees his 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 change of of heart his his realization that he was a sinner and that he needed to turn to to Jesus for that salvation and and Jesus even even proclaimed such he says today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham that he's a son of the of the chosen people that that he is a a follower now of of God in the fullest sense, the truest sense that that all sons and daughters of Abraham should be. And he says, because the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus, Jesus came to save, to save all of us. So what can we can we glean from from this account, this this passage that you know that that maybe we've been familiar with since we were were small children certainly one of the the bible studies that stories that that the primaries and 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 children in bible school would would hear you know just just how are we to apply this this account to our lives. I think the first thing is to to maybe maybe the most important as we read historical narratives Daryl Bach in his commentary on Luke says when you're trying to understand this and reflecting on it what does it teach about God? Verse 10 is that in a, in a nutshell. That the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. We start out the, 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 the passage reading about Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus, that, that he was um, to some degree a, a seeker or what, what we might call a, a seeker. But if we read the whole account and go back, we realize that before Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus, Jesus was already seeking him. Is that a new occurrence or something that just happened when, when during the incarnation when God became man? Now remember, even in Genesis, after Adam and Eve had sinned, what happened? 
God, they heard the sound of God walking in the in the garden, and they were afraid. They knew they had, had rebelled. They knew they had been disobedient and sinned against God, and they hid, hid themselves, and, and God proceeds through the garden, and He calls out, Adam, Adam, where are you? That's not because God didn't know where Adam was. He knew exactly where he was. But that He wanted Adam to know that he was still concerned with him. Adam had rebelled. Adam had had done what God had told him not to do, and yet God still sought Adam out. That he true he 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 pronounced the the curse on them, that they would no longer live forever. They would they would die. They would they would earn their their keep by the sweat of their brow, <clears throat> but that God still came seeking Adam. And that was the purpose that Jesus came. He was seeking to save the lost. If we divide the, the room or our population, well, we can't divide it. That's everybody. For all are lost, all have sinned and and come short of the glory of God. So Jesus came to save everyone who will receive Him as their their Savior. This wasn't plan B. This wasn't plan C. This was plan A. It's the only plan that Jesus would come and He would, as He had told the the disciples as they were on their way. He would be delivered to the Gentiles. He would be mocked, shamefully treated, spit upon, flogged, killed. But on the third day, He will rise. That by God's power, He would be raised from the dead. He would overcome sin and death on our part. So the number one thing I think that we can can glean and what we really need to reflect on is that Christ came for that reason, for me. And that each day I need to praise Him and thank Him for that. And I need to realize that, that I have been bought with a price, that God's intention is for me to die to myself, but to live for Christ. And then extend it out to the person next to you or the person next door. And it's not just for me, but it's for everyone. It's for the guy down the street, the guy that works in the next cubicle that is that is foul-mouthed, that doesn't mow his yard regularly enough or whatever he doesn't do that we don't like Jesus came and died for that same that person also and as we see what the the actors the characters participants in this account how they reacted they grumbled when they saw that Jesus was going to the house of a sinner you know, easy, easy to, or as I said earlier, if he had gone to anybody's house, he'd have been gone to to the house of a sinner. If he had gone to the pe- people who were grumbling their house, it would have been to the house of a sinner. But how do we look at some who 
maybe aren't the same as us, who, who maybe don't meet uh, our standard, are we willing to receive them and, and reach out to them like Christ does to Zacchaeus, this, this most despised person in Jericho? He wasn't just the underling tax collector who, who worked uh, for, for another or for Rome, but he was the, a chief tax gatherer. Even more despised than the guy that was taking your money, he was taking that guy's money. How do we look at others who maybe don't look like us or think like us or act like we think they should act? Do we, do we see them as being created in God's own image? Ones that we, we should love and, and reach out to must, much like Jesus did here. You know, remember, He's days probably away from the triumphal entry. And then days after that, He's arrested and beaten and spat upon and mistreated in, 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 in numerous ways and then nailed, cruelly nailed on a, on a wooden cross where he gave up his life. He donated it, poured out his blood. We, we sing sometimes about the blood of, of Christ being spilled, but kind of think of spilled as being an accident. It wasn't an accident. It was by choice, by mercy and grace, by pure love that, that Jesus poured out His blood to atone for our sins. You know, I certainly miss the interaction that we have in, in class and the insight that, that everyone uh, brings to when we look at a passage. So just ponder this passage and think. I'm sure there are many other ways to, many other things we can glean from it. But that we see purely, truly a, a picture of God's grace and mercy and that the whole reason Jesus was there was to seek and to save the lost. And we too can have that, that same attitude in, in introducing Jesus to, to our, our friends, even some who aren't our friends. And then one other thing that I've, that I've kind of pondered um, all week since I've been considering looking at this account, Jesus is entering through Jericho, a very famous city, a very ancient city, a well-to-do city. When did we meet, you know, when have we studied or read about Jericho? That it goes back prior to the time of Israel entering the promised land, but certainly played a big role. The first city that they came to on the west side of the Jordan, in the days of Joshua, when they marched around the city for six days, and then on the seventh day, the, 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 the city, the walls fell beginning the, the conquest of, of Jericho. But recently in, in Second Kings, we read about it again. 
in chapter 24 of 2 Kings that uh, actually 25 after after Josiah had been king and and had been been killed and then his a series of his sons be, became uh, king in verse 18 of, of 24 said that Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. In verse 19, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because the anger of the Lord, it came to the it came to the point in Jerusalem and, and Judah that he cast them off from his presence. And then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. And then in chapter 25, we read of, of, of the fall of, of Jerusalem, the, the final captivity uh, or exile of, of those who were, who were remaining there. But as Babylon had, had encircled Jerusalem and was... Uh, building a, a siege wall, uh, a ramp to, to get into the city. In verse 4, chapter 25, said, Then a breach was made in the city, and all the men of the war fled by night by way of the wall, between the two walls and by the king's garden. And the, Chal- and the Chaldeans were around the city. And they went, that's the men, the, the men of war, the king who, who had tried to escape. They went in the direction of the Arabah, verse 5, but the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered with him. They captured the king, brought him up to the, to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they passed sentence on him. They slaughtered his son, the sons of Zedekiah, before his eyes. They put out the eyes of Zedekiah and brought him bound in chains to Babylon. I don't know if this is just anything more than irony, but but consider Jericho, the first town, city that that Joshua and the Israelites capture after they've crossed the Jordan and entered entered the Promised Land. It's the last city that the last king of of Judah, the last king of Israel, where he was taken prisoner by the Babylonians taken back in captivity. But now, in the first century, it's the city that the true king of Israel, the righteous son of David, passes through on his way to Jerusalem, Mount Zion, the, the city that God had chosen to put his name in. It's the... it's it's. Maybe not the last city, but but in Luke's account, we have the real king of Israel going through Jericho. It's like we've come full circle. They conquered Jericho. The last king of Israel was taken captive there. But now the true, pure king of Israel is passes through Jericho, takes time out of the most urgent mission in the history of of man to stop and reach out to a chief tax collector that everybody despised that he takes time i believe this is the last 
account or recording save the other beside the the the, the uh, thief on the cross that that Jesus that we read of Jesus and the salvation that he brings to that uh, individual okay that'd be a good homework assignment see if Zacchaeus is second to the last so as we enter this uh, Easter season where we will celebrate the resurrection of the Lord and, and maybe we won't be able to do that as a as a church body just before the triumphal entry we find Jesus in, in Jericho taking the time to meet Zacchaeus to have fellowship with him and to save Zacchaeus that today salvation has come to to this house Let's pray and we'll be finished. Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, we know Your Word never goes back to You empty. God, give us time to reflect on just how gracious, merciful, and loving You are that You sent Your only Son to seek and to save the lost. God, knowing that that includes me and, and every person that I meet, God, may I be truly thankful and live my life to serve you, to praise you and thank you for that salvation. In Christ's name I pray, amen.